everybody. This is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life, because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. It's true. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, premier free writing magazine on the Internet, featuring articles on writing and the writing life, as well as video and audio interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors of all genres. In fact, speaking of genres, my current conversation's up there with Seanan McGuire. What an interesting lady she was. Put herself through college writing romance, uh, uh, Harlequin romances. She's the first person I've ever heard whose day job was writing Harlequin romances to get through college. She's written in all kinds of genres. She's got a lot of interesting opinions on things. She was funny. She was interesting. And uh, it was a great conversation. So check it out at authormagazine.org. And, of course, we're funded by the Great Pacific Northwest Writers Association, supporting writers from Penda Publications since 1955. they got a great um, writing contest. I think they still got about two weeks left, maybe, for the writing contest. All kinds of genres. Fiction, memoir, poetry, short memoir, short stories, screenplays still, I think, yes, screenplays, nonfiction, everything. If you, whatever you write, they got it. Send it in. If you want to send it in, you want to, uh, this is a great opportunity for a lot of people. Some careers have begun by winning that or just placing in that contest. It's PNWA's yearly conference, yearly contest. Check it out, pnwa.org. PNWA. I want to thank the uh, folks down at Right on the River in Wenatchee, Washington, for putting on a great, a great little uh class, a little mini conference out there in Wenatchee. I taught fearless writings to some wonderful people. Got to travel out there. Almost died coming home across the mountains. It was very scary. Very scary. I didn't really almost die, but I, it was a bit touch and go there, stuck in a blizzard on Stevens Pass. My tire went flat. But I got home, people. I did. I got home safe and sound. All is well, and I'm here. I will be... Uh, I, there is still time. I don't know when you're listening to this, but if you listen to it before this Saturday which is going to be March 3rd. I'm going to be teaching a personal class in personal essay, my favorite, probably my favorite form of writing, the personal essay. And I'll be teaching a class for the PNWA, with the PNWA. Uh, you can sign up for that on my uh, website. i got a link to that. Also, on the 14th of March, I'll be giving a free, and I don't do this often, but a free fearless writing class at East West Books in Seattle, in the Roosevelt District. Free Yes, free workshop. That's right. That's right. So check that out. Uh, that's also on my website. Well, you tuned in today. It's a good one. You good one. We finally got. I've been wanting to talk to this woman for a long time, but it just never quite worked out. But I got her on. Kristen Hanna. Wow. Kristen is a an award winning author of more than yes twenty novels, including the international blockbusters The Nightingale, Winter Garden, Night Road, and Firefly Lane. In fact, her novel Firefly Lane, uh, Firefly Lane became a runaway bestseller in 2009, uh, a touchstone novel that brought women together, and The Nightingale in 2015 was, get this, voted a best book of the year by Amazon, BuzzFeed, iTunes, Library Journal, Pace, The Wall Street Journal, and The Week. Additionally, the novel won the coveted Goodreads and People's Choice Awards. The people love her, and we do, and we're glad to have her on the show. Let's get her on here. Kristen, welcome to the show. Hi, it's great to be here. Oh, Kristen, you've written so many books. You've written, you know, I was thinking as we were list, we were trying to calculate how many books you've written and you couldn't figure it out. I found myself wondering, 
Actually, you know what it was, Chris? I was talking to uh, probably someone you know, a local novelist named Deb Coletti. Do you know Deb? I do, yes. Okay. We were talking to her. She's, she writes a book a year. And I was talking to her last summer, and she was like, I just, I'm getting to the point where I'm not sure. Every time a new book has to be written, she's just not sure if she's going to come up with anything. She's like, is this the time <laughs> that she's going to go into the well? A new idea, because she doesn't have a series. She doesn't, you know, she writes a new thing right. every year. And you do the same thing. Does that ever, right. you, does it, at this point in your career, does that, when it's time to start a new book, do you ever go through that, or is there nothing but trust in the blank page? <laughs> you know, I go through that every single, you know, every single time I think, uh, and, you know, can I still do this? Have I just been super lucky so far? Is this the time it's going to, you know, not happen for me? And, you know, because it doesn't matter how long you've been doing it, every single book is just yeah. a leap of faith off the cliff. Yeah. Isn't that the truth? And that's kind of why we do it. Right. In a way, that's kind of what it's what makes it so interesting. But it's what makes it Ab- such a bitch. <laughs> Ab- you know, that's absolutely true. And, you know, and it's, it's fascinating because each time, you know, you succeed in finishing something, regardless of whether you think it's good or not. You know, there's this wonderful moment of, yes, I, you know, I did it again. Excellent news. <laughs> <laughs> I did it again. And there is a kind of a sense. Do you ever I mean. I, I had a, I talked to James Lee Burke about a month ago. That was a great conversation on this show, and he was absolutely adamant that, look, I'm in communication with something. I don't do it all, and if you think you do, you're 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 screwed. You better you better admit that you're releasing David from the marble, like Michelangelo said. And I mean, there is that sense of like, how did I do that? A little bit. Do you go through that kind of like, how did that happen? I know I was there putting all those words on the page, but how did that thing actually come together? Do you go through that? You know, that's a really interesting thing. I mean, I think authors fall on one side of the fence, you know, on that or the other. And I'm sort of more firmly on the other side of it in the sense that, um, you know, I wish I believed there was some higher power that was, you know, helping me out with <laughs> You'd the like heavy lifting here. Right. <laughs> um, you know, I feel uh, the entire responsibility, you know, pretty oh. keenly. I will say oh, yeah. that it is often true that what I discover, you know, over the course of it is that my subconscious is pretty firmly in control, and the key for yeah. me is is to get out of my own way and listen to the instincts that are there. Yeah, you know, and I'll tell you, uh, it's all it's just a matter of language because everything you just said was almost exactly what what James Lee Burke said, but just different. I mean, he's got okay. he has very specific. He's, it's, but it's the same it, – I mean, I know it sounds different maybe, but it's really kind of the same language for get out of my way. That's just what Andre Dubuque said. Get out of the way, author. Just get out of the way. <laughs> and let that the thing is the, and let, that and is It's sort of trust in that thing that's happening beneath the surface that you're not totally aware of. Not it totally. is. I mean, that's really true is, is if you can just, you know, believe in your vision enough and work hard enough and then not let either your ego or any other marketing yeah. thoughts, anything enter the <laughs> equation except this is this is the vision for what I want to do. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's I, you know, I I I edit Author Magazine and I host Author to Author. I have a book called Write Within Yourself: An Author's Companion. And I always think that the great challenge is once you decide you want to, you're going to be you, the goal is to share your work with other people. I think the never-ending challenge is can you sit down at the page and for for me it's forget that other people are going to read it. Because if I start thinking of them even a little bit, aside from the very abstract concept of like, how could someone who isn't me understand this? You know, who, how can someone who's not lived what I've lived understand this? But if I start <laughs> thinking about the audience or the market or my agent or whatever, I'm lost almost immediately. I always feel like you have, how, you have to really kind of wall that off. At least I do. Yeah, yeah I mean, you know, interestingly enough, I don't ever really consider my reader. I don't ever consider, um, you know, anything beyond the book until I'm finished and I'm and I have sent it off to my editor, and it suddenly, you know, con- uh, I suddenly realize, oh my gosh, what if nobody wants to read a book like this? Why did I never right. think of that in two years? <laughs> it's too late. <laughs> I know. I'm so glad to hear that. Because, because Kristen, you're—I know you may not like to think about it, but you're a very popular lady. Your books are very popular, anyway. I don't know if you're popular around town, but your books are very popular. <laughs> a lot of people like to read them. <laughs> a lot of people like to read them, and it's so gratifying to hear that you don't think about those lovely people while you're writing it. I don't think you can. I just don't think you can. I don't know how you would. Well, I—it doesn't. Uh, here's what I do know, because I, I learned this early on in my career. It doesn't work to try to write for them um, because you, you can't really judge that. All you can do is really write for yourself and sort of hope that your vision yeah. and your voice is universal enough to bring people in. Yeah. Did you and try writing you for know, them? As a writer, you have to change all the time. And so you yeah. have oh, to yeah. change what you're doing and bring people along with you. You have to change or get bored? Change or, or sort of like you've got to, you're evolving, you've got to keep up with yourself, you mean? Well, both. I think the, you know, especially when you've written as many books as I have and when you do this as a career, um, yeah. you always run the risk of, you know, reaching a big audience and then boring them because yeah. they've read you before, you know, so you have to, yeah. I think if you want to continue to grow and you want to get bigger or you want to stay popular, you have to to change what you do to continue to be relevant in the marketplace. Yeah, yeah. But even then, you don't, but even then, so you sit down and say, okay, I want to mix it up. But the fact is, you know, who knows what the market's going to be like two years from, you know, we don't really know. You know, it just, right. I always say that, like, there was not, there was nobody in 1990 was saying, you know what the market needs, a book about a boy wizard, you know, going to a wizarding school. Yep. No one was sitting around saying that. And I think YA is like the next big – no one was saying that. But, but you do, absolutely you're absolutely right. You don't want to bore your readers. You don't want to bore yourself. You don't want to right. bore yourself. And so you've got to keep – and isn't it lovely that you, know, you reach people, and I'm sure you hear from a lot of your readers and you meet them, and they're probably always so glad you wrote your – well, sometimes they're maybe not so glad. We hear from them too. But mostly they're going to tell you how glad they are. I, I find it magical that the way out to reach people is to go into myself, you know, in other words, to yeah. inspire myself is how I can inspire others. Amuse myself well, is how true. I can amuse and it's, others. You know, I think it's because, you know, bottom line, in a way we all live versions of the same life. We all care yeah. about the same kinds of things. And so, 
you know, and, and interestingly, the more intimate and personal you are sometimes, the more universal you become. That's right. Yes, it's true. The more honest and intimate you are, it, that's, you're kind of, because there's something we absolutely all share that has nothing to do with being a man or a woman or how old you are. It has to do with love and fear and need and desire and the sort of the universal human traits, which I think take many forms but are felt the same throughout with all Absolutely. of us. Absolutely, and that's definitely what, you know, that's how you can write, like, the most intimate memoir and, you know, and millions of people respond to it. Um, yeah. Because yeah. they feel that you're seeing their lives because they have lived a similar path. That's right. In fact, that's exactly what I teach. I teach memoir and personal essay. That's, if I teach just writing, that's usually what I teach. And my, what I always tell my students is they're, they're, they say, oh, I don't know if I want to tell them about this or tell them about that. And I always say to them, they're not reading about your life. They're reading about their own life. Right. They don't really care about you at all. They care about themselves. Because right. when I read Wild, <laughs> I, was walk, I was on the Pacific That's Crest right. Trail, not Cheryl Strait. Ultimately, it was me. And well, so it's always – in fact, it's true. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I'm, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, and who doesn't in reading Wild – have that part of themselves that says, you know what, I'm in, you know, I'm grieving. I want to check it all and walk yeah. the trail. And we That's don't right. do it, but through her, we sort of metaphorically do. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right, so you, now once upon a time, once upon a time, Kristen Hanna was not an international best-selling novelist. She was <laughs> a lawyer. Is that correct? Did I read right that in your true. little bio? Okay. Yeah. So, I've met a lot of lawyers, a lot of them, and a lot of them are writers now. Mm -hmm. uh, and so my question to you, and usually there's two routes that the lawyer goes to become an international best-selling author. The first route is, first of all, they're type A people, the whole lot of them. They all <laughs> good students, very smart, not afraid of hard work, but they're practical. And they wanted to be writers. They've always wanted to be writers. But God, you got to make money. You can't do that. And so mm -hmm. they go to law school and they get and they become a lawyer. And then somewhere along the line, they're like, I can't stand it. I've got to write. Or I'm going to kill myself. And so they do it, or some version of that. And the other is, they just discover somewhere in the in the middle of their life, like I need to do something else. And that turns out to be writing, and that evolves that way. Which were you, Kristen? Okay, so this will be fun for you. I am. Uh, door number three on this uh, on this one. Oh, what's that? Yeah. Tell me about door number three. So I, you know, was a lawyer and and I really really liked it. You know, as you said, you you point out all of the traits that I share with my you know legal brethren: the the uh -huh. practicality, the love of reading, the love of research, the analysis, um, mm -hmm. the the teaching of you to I guess. Um, make a case for something and in a way yeah. a novel or a memoir is making a case for something so you know it all sort of comes together um, yeah. but for me what happened essentially was when I had my son um, I was you know young and it was the late 80s and uh -huh. you couldn't really be a part-time attorney. I don't know if you can anymore. I'm kind of out I of touch with the real world. I think you can maybe now, but but not then. Not an option. But not then. You know, not without, you know, like, you just couldn't do it. There were no part-time jobs. 
and I really right. wanted to be an at-home mom. And so right. I thought, okay, I'm lucky enough. I'm going to take five years off. Um, right. You were married. You weren't a single mom. You no, were a single thank mom. Goodness. Okay. I had a husband right. who was paying the rent, you know. And right. so I thought, I'll be home for five years, but I can't just, like, watch all my children. You know, I, I feel like I need to do something. And right. I thought, I'll try writing. Um, I had never written a word of fiction. I knew nothing about it. Really? Um, but I sort of took all those practical legal skills and thought, well, you can learn to do anything, so get to work. And, wow. and I, you know, I started studying the market. I started taking a few classes. I met um, another writer, young writer. I think you might have, I think you might know her, Megan Chance. Oh, yeah, 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 of course. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay you're friends so with Meg, Megan. Okay. Megan and I have been, you know, critique partners now for 30 years. Uh, and so wow. we were both beginners, and we just thought, let's, let's learn how to do this. And I sold my first book um, when my son was two. Wow. Whoa. And I've just Oh, you're a fast never learner. That I'm is, a fast learner, yes. That is fast. <laughs> Wait, now, hold on. So you never written a word of fiction, did, was, but you read. You like to read? As a huge reader, yes. Okay. Well, that's huge very reader. good because, you know, reading. And yeah. I was just going to say, and as you were talking about in your intro, I did enough market research to realize that I couldn't learn, you know, I couldn't learn how to write the Prince of Tides. I couldn't learn, I couldn't take everything on at once. Right. So I thought I'm going to start in one of the genres because they have, um, you know, reader expectation in a way that really helps a new writer. Which genre did you start in? So my first historical romance. Oh, Okay. And oh, so I right. wrote. I didn't know that. I think I think I wrote four or five of them, and okay. really learned, you know, the basics: dialogue, narrative, pacing, um, yeah. emotion, which is the thing that has helped me the most in my career. You know, focusing on characterization and motivation for five or six years. Yeah. Um, and then wow. I, and, so- and then I decided. I wanted to do something else, and I wrote um, a hardcover book on spec um, and sold it. And that was sort of the beginning of this career. And so you were writing, like, for Harlequin or one of the the, – I don't know what you call them, actually, but one of the romance houses? No, no. I wrote – they were – I wrote for Random House. Oh, okay, but they um, have their arm. There wasn't a line. You know, Harlequin is different in the sense that they're very short, or at least they were when I started, and they came out a certain number a month. Um, (laughs) The ones that I wrote were, you know, big and single titles, but they came out as mass market originals. I see. Okay. And so, you know, it's funny you mentioned Megan. What she said to me, we were talking about the genres, because she started in the genres too. She wrote romance for a while, I think. Uh-huh. Uh, she doesn't. She moved, she moved on. What she said, she felt that it really taught her how to tell. Like, if you're going to be in genre, you got to be able to just tell a story. You have to know what a story is. Like, you can't I mean, that's, can't that's screw around. Yes. Yeah. And you learn. You know, um, it 
there's a discipline that comes from that that is incredibly helpful, especially for someone like me who started at zero. I mean, I, I hadn't written short stories. I hadn't tried to write a novel before. Um, so I was able to go out and, you know, read 75 romance novels and feel like <laughs> I understood what the audience was looking for. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and then I did, I think, I think maybe five. And and then I started to feel like I wanted to tackle bigger stories, and that was really, yeah. you know, when I moved on. Same with Megan. Yeah. 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 Well, that's so interesting. God, there's, you know, that's a that is a very unusual um, career trajectory. Most writers <laughs> yeah. like it's like from the it's true. Most of them are like age nine or ten, like that's it. Yes. They kind of just know, and they might be afraid or intimidated by it. Maybe they don't, maybe they go and do a different career just because they don't think they can, or, but they usually know pretty early on. That is very unusual, but you know, that's just, the yeah, that was Megan. You know, she knew from the get go. Yeah. And in fact, yeah, know, yeah. it took me a long time. I would say, um, 10 years, literally 10 years of, and 10 published books before it started to occur to me that I actually had a talent for this. You know, I would have said, I'm just a really hard worker. Well, <laughs> you know? uh, well, you are. Well, I, I think, if I suspect, Kristen, if you have a talent, because uh, talent's a tricky word, boy. Oh, man. I'm suspicious of that word. But I think if you do have a talent, I, yeah. I'm guessing it's your ability to, of, to have an um, emotional discipline. It sounds like if that's my instinct listening to you. In other words, you're not going to beat yourself up too bad. Maybe a little bit because we all do a little. <laughs> but it sounds like you. It sounds like you've got a pretty. You're, you're like emotionally and psychically disciplined. And I think if you I can am, be disciplined, yeah, you can get. You can things I, can happen. Very, you know, yeah, yeah. No, it doesn't surprise me. You just got to work. Exactly. You know, yeah, and you didn't make it a big um, hairy deal. No. Now it has become, of course, um, <laughs> a beyond passionate beast. You know, I have oh, really? gotten over the years. Oh yeah. I mean, I've gone from sort of analytical and thoughtful and hardworking to, you know, pretty obsessed in terms of how I work and what I want to write and this sort of idea I have of sort of reinventing myself every couple of years. Um, yeah. You know, so, but maybe it all comes from ultimately uh, a combination of discipline and sort of analytics. I'm constantly looking for a way to challenge myself. Oh, it's got, you got to keep it interesting. We've got, you know, yeah. yeah. We have to keep it in because if you're not interested, if you're not interested, you're not you're not going to write anything very interesting. It has to start with you being excited and turned yeah, on by a lot of hard stuff. work. <laughs> oh yeah, it's a lot of work. Are you a book a year gal? I was um, for many, many, many years. Every time I have reinvented myself, uh, that has taken two years. I've done it uh, four times now. And those oh. books always take two years. And now I'm, I'm sort of edging into maybe I'm going to be three. I'm not entirely sure. Um, 
but I I see where I'm going, and I want to give myself um, the room to take more time. Yeah, do it. Do it. Absolutely. Well, you don't need my career advice, but I encourage you, do it. Give yourself the time. You know, you've earned it, Krista. You've you've got a lot of readers. You've got a lot of books. Give yourself the time. It's your life. In the end, this is just your life, and you've got to do with it what you want. You know what I'm saying? Do you ever find uh, over all these books, I was thinking about this as I was looking through them all, that, so you sit down, you got your plan. I, my guess is you outline a little bit. Do you outline some? Uh, I used to outline, of course, extensively in my genre days. Now I do a lot of research. I do a lot of outlining. I do a lot of synopsizing. But I'm much more free-willing when I actually write. Yeah. Right. That's kind of what I figured. Reading it, that's how it felt. That's the, that's the kind of book it felt like. And so, uh, but do you ever find that as you're reading, as you're writing along, book after book, that, you know, once you, there's the story, but then as your subconscious kicks in and your imagination kicks in, certain themes just keep bubbling up from book to book to book? Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah? No, it's not even like what? subconscious, actually. I mean... Oh, Yeah. It's interesting, now that I'm older and I've been doing this a long time and I can look back and I can see my character or my career arc in retrospect in a way I couldn't see it when I was living it. Um, And Uh I can certainly see that I have been writing about strong female characters like... um, learning how to survive and thrive uh, in both their ordinary world and in now extraordinary worlds like World War II France and, you know, Alaska. And I have been working towards sort of this, um, I guess it's just exploration of strong women. And uh, it feels very comfortable now, but I didn't really see it when I was doing it. I was just writing the books that interested me. Yeah. It's almost like you're trying to understand, like, it's like, what is strength exactly? How does it express itself exactly? Because you can keep coming, because strength is such a universal theme. It's like love. It's like joy. It's like grief. You can just keep coming back to it and back to it and going deeper and deeper and deeper into it, seems to me. Well, and, of course, as you get older, your ideas about everything change and perhaps solidify and I'm much more, you know, in the 15 years ago, I was interested in how women sort of kept their own identity and kept their friendships uh, in the middle of marriage and motherhood and career and everything that they have going on. And now yeah. I find that I'm much more interested in women's strength in a, in a historical and social kind of um, yeah setting as well and sort of how we have gotten where we are and how much farther do we have to go and how do we celebrate you know female heroism in art um, because we don't do it enough we've lost a lot of you know sort of women's history over the years and I see I see it coming back now Um, and it's it's a great thing I I think about all, all the authors I talk to boy it, it's a it's a big theme, I think. I mean, perhaps it's growing. Um, I I suspect. I'm not going to get political, but I suspect 
it's going to grow even more in the next few years. <laughs> I think events may drive that. Well, uh, look to at be, the Me Too and Time's Up. You well, that's know, what this I was is thinking. moment in time. Yeah. Yeah. And it is. You know, and now the millennials are in the hunt. Yeah. And you, how you know, old are your that's kids? really important. Uh, 30. My son is 30. Oh, he's a little older. Okay, because my, my oldest son's 22, yeah. and, and it's a different, you know, I, I listen to his the conversation. I mean, it's, there's, always, there's always similarities, but there is some, there's, they're onto something a little different, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of what they expect and what they came out of. And I just think they, their expectation of equality is higher than even mine was or what my, my generation was when I was his age. I just think there's a higher yeah. expectation. I think actually in some ways looking at my son and, you know, and his friends and uh, the girls of his class and everything, yeah. I think until the last two or three years, they thought the conversation had been concluded. They thought uh. that there was equality, you know, because right. my generation taught them that they could be anything. And right. so they're suddenly seeing in the last two or three years, wait a minute, we're not being paid the same. We're not, you know, we, we're not treating women the same. And I think right. they are, you know, kind of waking up to this idea that this is a fight that is continuing. Yeah. I agree. So something has changed. I feel like with the Me Too movement, we're almost got like the women's movement part two. It, I'm not sure if it's going to mm-hmm. go that far, but it feels a little bit like that. I was much younger when that was It'll really kicking in. It'll be interesting to see where it goes. I mean, it certainly has um, been groundbreaking. It has. Shocking, really. I didn't, wouldn't have seen this coming. <laughs> I, couldn't, I would not have no. predicted that at all. Well, Kristen, as I predicted, it was such a good idea to get you on the show. You're awesome. You got a lot of great stuff to say, uh, but I'm not through with you just yet. I got one more question. For oh, you. okay. <laughs> one more. Uh, okay. okay, and it's this. It, finish this sentence. If writing has taught you anything, it's taught you what? What has it taught you? I guess the importance of discipline and imagination. Oh, I love it. Discipline. The two. It's almost like fire and ice. Discipline yep. and imagination. <laughs> and you, need, you need them both. I mean, a lot of people come to it with one side or the other, and you end up having to explore sort of both sides equally to become right. the writer that is inside of you. That is a good answer. Good answer, Kristen. Okay, so the book is... Uh, I didn't even say what the book is. Oh, my God. What a bad host. All right. Listen, all right, the book, she just published The Great Alone. It's a great book about Alaska, about the 1970s, about all, all kinds of stuff. Well, it's Kristen Hannah. You know it's going to be a good book. But it's called The Great Alone, and it's where all fine books are sold. Are you doing a book tour for this thing? Are you going to be traveling around a little bit? I have been traveling for the last couple of weeks. I'm going to uh, California in in about 10 days, and then I'm going to go uh, sit on a beach in Hawaii and have a Mai Tai or two. <laughs> well, that's okay. So if you live in California, there's still a chance to see Kristen, but it's all right. You'll be back with another book. Kristen, good luck with this book. I, no, you don't need it, but I, and I, and I look forward to your next one. Well, thanks. It was great talking to you finally. It was great talking to you. Take it easy. Have a good time in Hawaii. Okay, I will. Thanks. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. Oh, 
Oh, imagination and discipline. They're good. You need them both. You do. You do. She's a disciplined woman. She is indeed. Uh, very helpful. Well, listen, I'm going to be back again next week. Talking. Speaking of strong female characters, I'll be talking to Lisa Gardner. Lisa's got an essay right now published in Author Magazine, but I'm going to be talking to her about suspense and just her life. She's a very interesting woman. Until then, people, uh, go do something you love. Just do it. Do it.